The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you always. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars, Episode 98. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a dead. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Cialana, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Quick plug once again for our Star Wars, uh, Secrets of Star Wars hoodie, t-shirts, and more, with a design encapsulating our philosophy of finding hope in a galaxy far, far away. So get your swag at sqpn.com slash merch. Today, we are excited to dive into the fifth episode of the Japanese anime series, Star Wars Visions, entitled The Ninth Jedi. You see what I did there at the beginning? Joining me today is Mudhorn Andrew Hermes. <laughs> hello again, Andrew. Hello, hello. Yeah, this, <laughs> I guess Mudhorn is going to stick, um, but I like it. I don't mind. Uh, yeah, this should we have been the ninth you, episode, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> it's the eighth. It's the, what is it? The fifth episode. The fifth episode. <laughs> oh, it's called The Ninth Jedi, and it's our 98th episode of Secrets of Star Wars. So. If you're still with us, then good job. God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Andrew, um, this is your first time on one of our Star Wars Visions review shows. And so I'm thinking that everyone wants to know your thoughts on the series uh, first four episodes before we get into this one. So I'm going to ask you quickly to do some rapid fire 10 second reviews or just random thoughts, however much you can fit into 10 seconds on each one of them. So I'm going to call out the name. I'm going to say ready, set, go. And I'm going to count you down with my (laughs) fingers on our video call. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So ready? I think so. I'm ready or not, I have to do this, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. So first one is the duel. Ready, set, go a great first episode because of its unique animation style and awesome story and getting you into this world of anime i think it's a good introduction for those who are not familiar with anime all right that was 11 seconds but that's fine okay all right (laughs) second one tattooing rhapsody ready set go cute this was a cute episode it was full of cuteness uh not totally my bag but I'm sure there's an audience out there for it. All right. (laughs) Um, Third one was the twins. All right. So ready, set, go. Uh, Epic. This was a pretty epic episode. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Other than Ninth Jedi and Duel, this was probably my third favorite. Okay. Awesome. And fourth was the village bride. Ready, set, go. 
Uh, it was okay. Uh, it kind of it was hard to keep up with it, which is kind of not good because it's short, but the ending was nice. Okay. Well, there you have it. Uh, Andrew's, Andrew's thoughts in rapid fire. So thank you very much for um, putting up with that. Right. As I wipe away the sweat, that was a lot of pressure. <laughs> I think he actually is sweating. I don't know. Uh, it could be the lighting. Maybe. All right. So, so um, into the ninth Jedi. So what were your first impressions of this episode? This was, uh, like I just mentioned in that rapid fire, my favorite episode. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, I enjoy Star Wars Visions as a whole. Uh, I know I just reviewed the the first four <laughs> and now we're at the fifth. Um, but I did watch all of them as a whole. I, I really like uh, what they did with this anthology series. Um, and this one, I think, perfectly encapsulates uh, what Star Wars uh, can be um, in in whatever medium they want. Uh, this had the epic, had an amazing score. The score was great. It, had, it felt like Star Wars, even though, again, where it's a totally different avenue for them. Um, but, you know, having uh, the elements of the Sith and the Jedi and, you know, a young up and coming, you know, maybe going to be a Jedi character. Uh, uh, there was a big twist. Um, there was betrayal, you know, so, and yeah. then there was hope at the end, uh, mm. as, as we need, uh, with every Star Wars story, um, for, for it to be notably Star Wars. Um, I, yeah, it was super enjoyable and it, it was one of the few episodes where I wanted more. I, I, I want to see more of this world and, and, and see where they could possibly take it. And I think this would work really well in live action. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the story was very cinematic. Uh, this could easily be uh, a Star Wars live action cinematic uh, sort of thing, maybe a, a series. Um, but yeah, I hope. You know, I think it's a very popular episode. I'm not alone in saying that it's it's mm-hmm, yeah. it's a favorite. Um, and I, I think if if they're going to. Possibly look into expanding on any of these i think this would be one of the episodes uh that they would do it for because uh, it definitely lays the groundwork for a much bigger story so um yeah all in all this was the one i enjoyed the most and uh, i hope uh, we get to explore this world some more mm-hmm. well that's really interesting um you know i i don't know if this is my favorite so far i don't know if i can identify what my favorite one is um because they all have kind of unique personalities almost but uh i one thing that struck me about the ninth jedi is that i felt that the makers of this episode were not intimidated by this being a star wars project like they really went for it in everything like it was you're like you're saying the huge like music i mean we've gotten great scores but I just felt like they really wanted to say, like, this is Star Wars and we're making Star Wars. Um, the ships, you know, the the characters, the creatures, the droids, um, the peril. I mean, everything just felt so in line with Star Wars um, in a way that, I mean, it's like it had the DNA, you know. Yes. Um, 
And I also, you know, it was about lightsabers, like mm-hmm. just on the surface, but it was really like they were like, okay, what are we going to do? That's like very Star Wars. And they did all those things that I just talked about, but they also like made it about lightsabers. And they picked that out as something that we love as fans about Star Wars. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and I guess finally, what I'll say is that this was about vocation. It was about following your calling and um that's very star wars as well um so we'll dip we'll dip into that in the discussion but you know starting off in the episode here uh we get narration which was kind of cool right i mean we didn't get a scroll but we got a background of what we were getting into so that was in itself very star wars as well um and music, like we've been talking about, and space and planets, <laughs> yeah. stars. All the things. Yeah, there's a war. Yeah, there, there was a time of peace, and now there's a time of war. Like this, you know, it's very yeah, very much setting up a, a Star Wars story. Right. Yeah. So yeah, the whole exactly, it was setting up a Star Wars story, yeah. and so right as we're going in, I'm like, okay, you got my attention. Let's go, yeah. um, and. Something that I wrote, like one of my first notes was music. So big, very Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But the other, the other thing was reestablishing the ancient order. Mm-hmm. You know, that really caught my attention. Um, like you were saying, Jedi versus Sith. And just overall, this feeling of like we're going into an, in, an unstable galaxy. It felt like there was you know, a, the balance of power seemed to be off. Right. Um, yeah. And, and to your point uh, about this feeling like a star Wars story and more than most of the other episodes uh, and, and talking about how the creators weren't afraid to go there. I mean, most of the other episodes found like a corner of like star Wars that they can go into. That was like, right. You know, undiscovered or, you know, something fun like this one just went into the lore and uh, and was, was establishing a story within, you know, again, you, you we usually see Sith and and Jedi sort of stuff in the, the bigger, broader Star Wars properties. Um, so th- they definitely went for it. And uh, and I think they again, we'll emphasize, I'll emphasize again, I think they really nailed it. Yeah, exactly. You put your finger right on that. It's it's the scope that mm-hmm. really made the difference with this episode. Um, so we start off, we get all that. It's awesome. And then we're in the aerial temple of the planet He-Islan or Hi-Islan, ruled by Margrave Duro. Now, Andrew, did you go and look up the word Margrave or are you smarter than I am? <laughs> 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 I did not look it up, but at, the, but, but at the same time, I watching this episode, I didn't think much of it. I just was like, oh, it's, it's like, oh, it's a weird yeah. Star Wars word. <laughs> yeah, that's that's honestly all it was. So, yeah, don't give me too much yeah. credit. <laughs> I, so, well, I kept seeing it and I'm like, it has to mean something. I'm just one of those people. So I went and I looked it up and apparently it's a medieval title for a military commander who was assigned to maintain the defense of one of the border provinces of the Holy Roman Empire or of a kingdom. So Very there interesting. Yeah. So they're taking that, like, I knew it, it sounded old to me. Like, I was yeah. like, this sounds 
ancient. So mm. kudos for them to to them for doing that. Um, also, the name Juro. I just had to know. I like to know what names mean. So Juro is a Japanese name, and it actually means tenth son. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> I thought that was interesting. It also could mean longevity or best wishes. So okay, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, too bad it doesn't mean ninth son. I know yeah. that would be perfect. <laughs> Maybe two on the notes. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, we're here in the temple and at the beginning we're introduced to Ethan. He's the first character that we meet and he's young. He's seemingly inexperienced. I kind of got those vibes right away. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's answering the call of Margrave Juro that he got on a hollow device. And, you know, I got to admit, this was my least favorite thing about this entire episode was that this hollow message, he opened it up. And then Margrave Juro is there and he's just spinning and he's spinning for like three <laughs> yeah. minutes or something. And I'm like, I can't stand it. Please stop. I did notice uh, that too. Because like whenever you see holograms in Star Wars, they're never spinning. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, maybe he had a malfunctioning you know, device. Yeah. So, I mean, besides that, you know, I thought this was great. And, um, but it, you know, hollow, I mean, we're, we're very used to that, right. In Star Wars. Um, so anyways, a lot of mystery here. Um, the question of identity of who is this Margrave, right. And whether he can truly be trusted. Um, there's a total of seven people in this room. And uh, all these people are kind of having this conversation of, you know, well, we're all Jedi, right? Like, it's kind of assumed that they are, that they're all Jedi and that, um, you know, possibly are we walking into a trap here? So it was great storytelling because that all of a sudden we are intrigued again. Like, we don't know yeah. what's going on because they don't know what's going on. Right. Yeah. And again, we'll get to it. But, you know, when that twist comes, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, I like I, I, I wasn't expecting it. I think mm. they set it up really well. Um, and, yeah. And I, th I think they uh, the pacing of it, you know, for, a, you know, a 20 minute, uh, you know, episode, it was it, it it had all the the like three acts of a of a of a full length movie, you know, or a play. Exactly. Uh, so they. They really handled uh, the pacing uh, very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so here we are with, you know, this mystery. And then here comes the steward droid in and he's huge. Right. And he walks in, he's laughing and he's talking an awful lot about Margrave Juro and giving the impression that he's trustworthy and, you know, oh, people are sometimes frightened by his appearance and he'll be here shortly and that kind of thing. So we're left with that, and then we're transported to the planet and some kind of what appeared to me as agricultural activity. And I don't know if I'm dense or not, but I had to go look up what this was. And so they were har harvesting the kyber crystals that are orbiting the planet. So mm -hmm. did you catch that that was what was happening here? Yeah, that's what I assumed. Um, because okay, good job. I think that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, I think the narration in the beginning mentioned something about mm -hmm. that. So that's, yeah, I did. That's what I assumed that was happening. 
Okay. So I guess I was just completely overwhelmed at the beginning, all the times that I watched it. Um, So so we meet Kara and her droid 9999, which she calls four nines. And she catches a crystal and she's really excited. So I guess this is not an easy thing to do. And uh, she runs and takes her, well, she takes a speeder actually, land speeder to return to her father's Star Wars blacksmith shop. And he is finishing up the final lightsaber that the Margrave had ordered. Uh, And so they have this cool conversation here where Kara is trying to figure out uh, the lightsabers. You know, she's trying it out. Um, It's changing in length and she's asking all these questions about, you know, um, how he tempered he he mentions that he tempered the crystals so that the color and the length will vary depending on the Jedi using it. So what did you think about like how the lightsabers, you know, unique properties were revealed by the person that was using it, just the concept of these lightsabers? Uh, I thought it was awesome. I, I thought it gave, uh, you know, the lightsabers uh, a, a really neat quality that we haven't seen before or, uh, you know, I thought it was pretty uh, inventive of them, you know, because like we we I think we've taken for granted what lightsabers really are uh, <laughs> uh, because, you know, we're being Star Wars fans and, and consuming lots, lots of Star Wars content. Um, they can just be like uh, shiny swords. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, getting into, uh, you know, whoever whoever wrote this, they're sort of version of the the mythos behind the lightsabers <clears throat> excuse me and, and kyber crystals um it was really cool they took it in a, in, a, in a cool direction that um it pays off at the end uh again with that reveal of the twist uh it, it has to do with you know this sort of explanation of uh the lightsabers you know the color revealing you know who you you know who you are uh and and uh, the the length of it uh, you know telling you how much of the force is within you like that sort of mm-hmm. like all, all those sorts of things like it, it uh when when new stuff like that is added into the mythology it and and using it in the narrative where where it actually adds to the story and it plays a role in the story that's really good writing and that's that's a part of why i i think this was the strongest episode because um that's that's a good sign and and a good way of, of storytelling rather than using just exposition um, using, you know, using mm-hmm. things and throughout the episode and, and showing the audience, uh, you know, little hints and, and little plot devices here and there that pay off later uh, is, is really uh, to me uh, strong writing and, and, right. and good storytelling. Yeah. I mean, these were story devices. They were um, almost characters in a way. Um, they were kind of, uh, you know, it's it's like if you hold a, a saber and then it can tell you something about the person. It's kind of like looking into their soul almost, you right. know, because it reflects, like you're saying, their con- their connection with the force. And so it just made me wonder, like, wow, if I had one of those lightsabers, like, what would mine look like? <laughs> I mean, we've kind of had that that sort of concept that your crystal kind of the crystal is supposed to call out to the Jedi and, you know, it's unique to them in a certain sense. 
but this kind of took it to another level. And I wouldn't mind if, you know, Canon actually adopted this sort of concept because I think that would make the movies and the shows and all the different, you know, um, all the different properties just that much more interesting, you know, just another layer of depth to them. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. If the, this again, it's, it's so, uh, so perfectly fits, uh, the star Wars, uh, you know, the, the main Canon that we're all familiar with that I think it would, it would not only be a good fit, but it would, it would add so much to it. Yeah. Well, so Kara, she is, uh, she's disappointed that the saber that she's holding, it doesn't seem to have a real color or a permanent length to it as she's holding it. And so, um, she thinks, you know, that's because of force, she's not strong enough with the force. Um, but her father tells her this really cool thing, which was the force exists in all living things, but only those who develop their connection to it will have the power to yield it. And I really felt like, you know, of course we know that as Star Wars fans, right? But I don't know if if it has been actually expressed so succinctly in that way before, you know, because it reminded me so much of like Christianity too. Like, you know, how God is always closer to us than our breath, but it's those who develop their connection with God who will be able to understand, you know, God, who is love, you know, God's power um, as well. So I don't know if you got those vibes too when you said that or or just kind of what you thought of of the way that he put that. Yeah, I, I'm, well, I did, uh, it didn't hit me that deep, but I think <laughs> now it did. I think you, you uh, the point that you made about that and the analogy you made with, with God is, is, uh, is really, um, uh, meaningful and 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 i think it adds adds to uh uh that simple statement you know i think you're i think you caught on to something where to where you know it's giving again giving the lightsabers uh you know a, a deeper meaning and and allowing uh you know such a simple short story to uh to contain such like thoughtful and uh pretty you know epic and powerful uh story devices mm -hmm. uh you know to breathe within such a short amount of time uh and uh and yeah i yeah you may you made that line 10 times more cooler <laughs> than i thought it was so i, I appreciate that <laughs> oh no problem yeah so it kind of makes you wonder like if we all had a lightsaber like this you know it could kind of be like it, it could gamify the the journey to sainthood, right? Like, yeah, my like, my lightsaber must be stronger and more like, constant oh, it's turning, and whatever. It's kind of it's kind of looking red today. Like, yeah. <laughs> had to go to confession. Yep. Uh, yeah. uh, if only it were that easy. Seriously. Um, <laughs> oh man. So yeah, so uh, that was pretty cool. And um, I haven't mentioned his name, by the way, the father. So his father, his name is Lajima. I'm guessing and you looked so, that up. I oh I didn't look that <laughs> you up. Did, you didn't look, dude. If only I had Google or something. I know, name, right? Meaning. <laughs> uh, okay. The name. That's two, that's two is, names, right? What is it? Two names. It's I mean, like a first name, last name. It's not like one name. Yeah. So La yeah. is their last name. I I only knew that right. because I looked at the credits and it 
it said her name was Lakata and his name is Lajima. Yeah, so, that's yeah, Japanese put the first name, the, the last name first, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just off of Google results, like looking briefly here, it says that the name Jima is associated with the opal gemstone, which instigates and strengthens one's motivations and encourages self-growth. Oh. <laughs> An optimistic Sorry. person who sees the good side of things and accepts life as it comes. I mean, sometimes you get weird stuff on Google, so who knows? But yeah. And Zima anyways. was, uh, you know, was an alcoholic beverage that came out in the early 90s, right? Uh, I think that's something different, Andrew. <laughs> that's the first thing I, I thought of. <laughs> no, it's spelled Z. H-I-M-A. Okay. I know. I was cracking a joke. Anyway. <laughs> so I was going to get into a serious moment here. No, because this is this is when we get this quiet, like, like parental moment or like, um, not parental moment, but we get this moment of a person who is going to die because he, we see Lajima by himself and he mutters you know, he has fulfilled his promise. Like he, we kind of like, we get this close up shot and he says like, Oh, I fulfilled my promise. And you know, when that happens in a show or movie, I'm like, yeah, he's going to die. So lo and behold, mm -hmm. <laughs> a strange ship appears and he seems to know, like he wraps up the sabers, he ties them around Kara's waist and he says, go deliver them immediately to the temple. And that's when we get this like kind of borderline cheesy, but also like sweet, innocent moment. Mm -hmm. Where Kara wonders aloud, like, oh, why are you talking like it's the last time we're going to see each other? Which was interesting. Like, I don't know why they put that in the, like, as writing, because usually it's sort of like people don't yeah. say that. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, maybe people think that, but I don't think people say that. So maybe I'm noticed, the only one. I noticed that, that too. I think, yeah, I, <laughs> I think, I think that's probably, you know. If we're going to find one flaw in this episode, <laughs> that's probably some exposition that we didn't need, uh, right. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I think the fact that he was just acting weird and was uh -huh. like you said, is just the stereotypical way of like, oh, yeah, this is probably where he's going to die <laughs> or at least some 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 issues about to go down. But it could be um, a way for them to kind of telegraph to us that she's very naive and innocent you know like sure yeah know. it yeah. could be but um so then we get these jedi hunters who look really cool first of all and they barge in the door they break down the door and they talk because it's Japanese anime. They don't just like start start fighting. Right. Um, and so what did you think of this kind of like this whole conflict with the Jedi hunters? And did you think that was, you know, s strong or or what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, all of it was cool. I mean, I thought it was a cool uh, like action sequence, especially when when she gets away, um, when she when when she starts like writing it backwards and four nines is, is, is driving. And she's like, you know, uh, using the lightsaber to, uh, you know, to shield herself from the, the laser, the laser, she the laser beams, um, mm -hmm. from the guns. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, and like, I know we talked about like, Oh, this is probably where he's going to die. Like we don't actually see him die. He gets taken away. Right. Um, uh, and so one of the, 
one of the cool things was that we saw he was injured like after this explosion that he creates he was lying outside of the house and the house was like on fire and smoking like it was very episode four right like to me i was thinking of like luke seeing Mm -hmm. you know um just the wreckage of his aunt and uncle's house uh so and then after that happens and one of the hunters notices Kara, like as you're saying, she's, she's maneuvering, she's doing all, she's great with the saber. And so, um, he says the force is strong with her. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was interesting. So I was wondering who these guys were, these Jedi hunters, like what is their connection to the force? Cause if they say, Oh, the force is strong with them. Like, is that just kind of a way of saying like, Oh, I know that there's a force out there and she must be strong in it. Or is it more of, I know the force and that's a person who has the force. So do you have any thoughts on that? Like who they might be or their connection to the force at all? Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I didn't really have a guess. I just, uh, I just want to know more about them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think again, this, uh, I know we'll say it probably more times before the end of this podcast, like it, it sets up so much, like it, it does a lot of, uh, world building, um, you know, but obviously in, in such a short amount of time, it just kind of teases everything. So it's like, again, just laying that groundwork for, potential bigger story if you know we're lucky enough to to see it um so it's like yeah we're these guys are just shrouded in mystery like mm-hmm. uh i i uh, on on the on at face value i just i just thought they were just kind of impressed with how she got away and that's how they came to that conclusion but i think you know the the other possibility you mentioned could could be also could also be true like maybe they're somehow connected and they have knowledge uh, uh of you know, of the force and, and they could, uh, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's something deeper than, than just, uh, you know, right. being, being impressed by her. Yeah. So we're clearly now like in act two, right? Cause we've gotten mm-hmm. into a heavy conflict situation, um, but it bounces us right back to the aerial temple in the middle of this fight. And we see that these seven people are lacking in patience apparently because <laughs> they're asking like how long do we need to wait here like for this margrave guy to show up and when are these lightsabers supposed to be here and the sentinel the sentinel droid he has this box and he reveals you know dun 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 it's a lightsaber right and it's like this sacred moment of you know everybody's in awe and looking back on it like we know some of these people are sith acolytes and yet everyone is just with the shared experience of like it's a holy relic or something right so Mm -hmm. i mean did you pick up on that too like oh yeah it was very it it really made it as like a special moment for them and Mm -hmm. and you really like uh, could you know, the, the, the narration at the beginning kind of explained, like, it's been, you know, it's been a long time since, you know, the Jedi were protecting the galaxy. And then in that moment, it's like, wow, they haven't seen a lightsaber, <laughs> you know, in so long. And, and, uh, it, it, you really felt, you know, that, that element of, of, uh, you know, what, of what the story was, was trying to convey. Um, right. Like yeah. a sense of history. 
Absolutely. In, yeah. And in it's such an int- and and the the lightsaber itself had such a unique, like intricate design. Mm-hmm. Um so it it even looked the part, right? So and it right. came in that box. Uh so yeah. uh so yeah, and it was like a little like, okay, here's a little taste before these other lightsabers get here. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like uh it's it's like he's been, you know, just uh keeping them at bay for so long and and uh you know just because of their impatience, uh, had to give them a little, you know, a little taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I like, again, Star Wars fans, we love lightsabers just in general. So it was kind of cool to sort of see ourselves like reflected in these people. Like if we were there, we'd probably be like, Ooh, oh my yeah. gosh, I want to <laughs> hold it, you know? So <laughs> that was yeah. neat. Um, and then we're dropped back right into the middle of the chase on the planet, which by the way, was again, this great pace, uh, pacing right between the Mm -hmm. temple, what's going on in the temple and then what's going on on the planet. The pacing was so different. And so that was a great way to continue to keep our interest. Um, but we're in this winter forest speeder chase a la Endor episode six, right? And so I really liked the animation here. The camera movement was interesting. They really mixed it up. Um, and I was just, this was when I started to really see Kara for who she like really was um, and her character. And she actually dismounts her speeder at one point over mm-hmm. what looks like a frozen lake. And yeah. she just takes this brave stand <laughs> as her pursuers like heading straight for her. So that said a lot to me about who she was. So what about you? What did you think of this whole like situation? Totally. I mean, again, this, this sort of showed like how impressive she was and, mm-hmm. and how much of the, how strong in the force uh, she really is. And, um, you know, her, her, those in that brief scene, you know, with, with her dad, like he kind of gives like little winks and nods to her being, you know, really, uh, powerful. Um, but like, this was full on display. Uh, and yeah, again, like you mentioned the, uh, I think the animation and, and like going from the forest to that, that frozen lake, um, they really, uh, had a great setting to, to put all those, you know, all of her power on display. And, and I think that, um, this is where, again, for, for getting into act two, this is like exactly how you want to, you know, get into it. It's like, you know, it's a really great, full of really great action and, and tension, uh, uh, and suspense. Um, and it's, it's showing who is building up this character. Who's, who is the, uh, protagonist. Mm-hmm. And and sh- and and having their sort of first, uh, you know, hero moment. So right. I, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, and you know, now that you're talking about just her father speaking to her, I almost wonder if at the beginning, when the lightsaber that she's holding is kind of like flickering and seems like it doesn't really know what to do, is like maybe that's a reflection of her not knowing how to channel her connection to the Force. So perhaps she is very naturally strong in the force but she doesn't she hasn't learned how to really you know focus that until she is put in a crisis situation you know like a lot of us are where we're naturally gifted but then it's not until like 
the rubber hits the road and there's pressure on you that you just kind of have to learn like right yeah. in the moment. So, yeah. No, totally. I think it's, it's sort of like, yeah, it's, uh, until you really face with, um, a moment that where you have to act like she's not just doing a little training session with her droid. Like she's, she's actually having to, you know, take action. Um, and I think for anyone, especially their first time, if you're really powerful, like it doesn't take much for you to, to, to kind of sway towards the, you know, the dark side or, you know, mm. the light. And, mm-hmm. um, that's because uh, so I think she could have easily like, you know, just seeing her father, kidnapped or and potentially dead like she could have easily turned you know sith and right. that thing could you know shine red mm-hmm. um but but she chose obviously to you know to keep fighting and, and get those lightsabers to the temple and you know we, we see what we'll get to the end of the story um but yeah she i mean you can only imagine uh you know a lot of good people could have turned bad in that situation and and mm-hmm. i think this was part of her obviously her development uh, to, to where she ends up. Right. And like going back to the metaphor of like the spiritual life too, like that happens to all of us in our lives anyways. Like when we encounter those pressure points where it's a crisis and we have a choice to make, like, am I going to lean into God and am I going to tap into that connection with God or am I going to lean into those feelings of fear and control and all those things, you know, and that's, that's our moment. So we have those moments in our life and we have to kind of make those decisions. And of course, you know, we can always be turned, right? There's always hope, but uh, I think that's cool. Just kind of like how we sort of got to that just through this character moment. So really, really Star Wars. Very nice. Um, So yeah. So Kara, she, ends up uh, getting rid of her pursuer's speeder bike and she uh, comes to this spaceport. Um, so she's trying to still outrun him and she encounters a whole bunch of droids. And these are brand new type of droid to Star Wars, according to Wikipedia. Um, they're called boatman droids. Um, I guess because they drive the boat or something. Um, I think you nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) And so the one that she asked to, you know, quickly take her to the temple, of course, he complains that he's on his break, which I thought... Such a great character. Yeah, the humor (laughs) was just right. And was he actually drinking tea that was probably like, (laughs) you know, uh, fuel or something? Like, (laughs) I was like, as I was watching, I'm like, Oh, that's probably not tea. Like that doesn't, that wouldn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, of course, you know, everybody loves the sassy droid, right? Like the Mm -hmm. droid that talks back. I don't know why we enjoy this character type so much, but we do and we eat it up. And so this was fantastic. Um, She ends up like even trying to push him, although he looks far too big for her to actually make any progress with that. But uh, they do, I guess he's just bored or something. He's like, okay, I've got nobody else to fly out. So here we go. And so Kara and four nines and the boatman droid fly out to the temple. And, you know, I really love this scene where we see the passengers during the flight. Like 
it's so short, but you get a sense that, you know, they're feeling those G's. <laughs> like she oh, looks yeah, like right? it's not easy to fly. And then she looks out and she sees a ship leaving the planet. And she says, father, like she realizes that he's on that ship. And so suddenly in my mind, like her situation is even more dire and you know, they're not just out to like kill him or something or injure him. They're out to like take him away somewhere else. And so she becomes much more vulnerable. And I feel she's also much more determined now that she sees what's happening to him. Um, and so it's a very short little scene, but I felt that it was so effective in the storytelling and in the character development. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, so upon arrival, Kara immediately bows before the Jedi candidates, quote unquote, and she introduces herself as she unwraps these lightsabers and she begs them to help rescue her father. And she asks for the Margrave. And this is the person that all of them have been wondering, you know, where is this guy? And through the conversation that unfolds, we learn that she's known him all of her life. And she finds him to be trustworthy. And so at this point, were you convinced that the Margrave was on the light side and was who he said he was? Or were your thoughts otherwise? Uh, my thoughts were still otherwise. I thought mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe this was like someone that was in her life that was masquerading as a good person. Mm. Um, but, you know, she she was just, again, too naive or innocent to know that he actually was not a good person. So yeah, I was still like, uh, I didn't take it as a hint to where the story was going to go. I, I, I still thought like this guy was uh, a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I was on the edge. I, I think they did a good job of really making that um, an unknown for us and, and leaving us, you know, on the edge of our seat waiting to see what would happen. So um, yeah. So we'll, at this point, then everyone has a lightsaber in the room and it's the moment of truth, right? So they turn them on and we see the red. Yeah. And so what were you thinking as this revelation occurred? Like not only for <laughs> us, but also for Ethan and Kara. Uh, in my head, a lot of expletives. I was like, oh man, that was <laughs> like, like, uh, like this is first of all like again shock um mm -hmm. i was like great twist yeah. uh, uh just really i mean it's it, it's 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 hard to find like good twists and and anything these days um so i think they really nailed it and they achieved uh they achieved that goal um mm -hmm. and and surprising the audience and um and yeah i was like oh my gosh like this is now uh this already awesome episode and, and great story <laughs> has gotten even more interesting uh so uh yeah i was ready to see uh you know obviously all when you see a bunch of lightsabers being lit up you know there's about to be a fight so i was like uh really amped up to to see a fight that was gonna go not the way i was expecting yeah yeah me too i was totally surprised um it was a great twist and you know, something that I noticed was it was nice that Ethan and Kara were kind of alone in the middle of this circle of six 
Sith acolytes. It was like very poetic because, you know, I took scripture class at a Catholic university. And so <laughs> when you do, like you learn about the significance of numbers, right? Right. And especially in this class that I took on the Gospel of John. I mean, wow, we that guy was big on numbers. Oh, yes. <laughs> and <laughs> so but six represents like incompletion, like not complete. Whereas seven completion, right? And so again, seeing six Sith acolytes was just perfect. You know, it was it was perfect on so many levels. And uh and I really loved Kara's response. Like the way that they animated her facial expression and like took their time. I think that's something you pointed out earlier in showing her feelings like and her thinking interiorly like just for them to be unafraid to pause with a character is one of those strokes of beautiful directing that made this episode stand apart for me yeah and it's it's a pretty common uh device in uh anime uh mm-hmm. uh you'll it'll be like <laughs> the most epic fight ever. And then like in the middle of like someone throwing a punch, they, they'll cut to like, you know, a, a five minute inner dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, everything's in slow motion. It's like, you know, everything is moving fast behind them, but you know, you just can hear their, their thoughts. Right. It's, it's, uh, mm. I think it was a good way of, of using, uh, an, an anime genre. storytelling device. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, bring it into into this into star wars and uh using it uh to move the story forward so yeah that was that was a a neat moment yeah well and so this is when the sentinel droid opens up and we finally meet margrave juro who was hiding inside and he was trying to see who was trustworthy to him so you said you didn't see this coming i didn't see this coming um this was pretty cool yeah. Very cool. Um, and and like even though we know now he's not a bad guy, he he, he looks like <laughs> he looked pretty bad. Like yeah, in a, in a cool way. Scary, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so the fight scene was very cool. Um some highlights for me were Juro receiving the lightsaber like that was red and then he grabs it and it turns from red to green. Um mm. and also he's just a beast like in how oh my gosh. he's fighting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Kara's fight style, I found quite compelling as well. Um, mm. she's quick. She, I mean, I was amazed. I was amazed at this girl. Um, and then also like the boatman droid, he was kind of sitting in the ship, like finally taking his break and just kind of saying like, Oh, nice moves. Like, <laughs> like watching like a fight to the death, just like, you know, yeah. some kind of reality TV show or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. So again, we got that humor. Uh, that we love in Star Wars. And uh, and then also one of the acolytes dies in this like giant kyber crystal that's in the temple. Um, that was in awesome. In this blue fire <laughs> and smoke. As he's screaming oh. in agony. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wow, what a way to go. <laughs> I know. And Kara, just, Kara and Juro just staring at him. <laughs> like, just unfazed, you know, like it was, it was great. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty amazing. I've, I I want to say it's one of the most memorable deaths in Star Wars so far for me. <laughs> no, really, it was very it was very uh, effective and, and compelling. It was a, that, that was a great way to, 
you know, for a, a bad guy to, you know, to eat it. Yeah. So pretty much all of them eat it, you know, and then mm. finally one of the last people to stop fighting is actually called out by Juro and his name is Homen. And apparently, mm. uh, you know, he tells him like, oh, we all know that this is not you. Like, you're not a Sith. And and Homan apologizes and he says that he became consumed by the other's darkness. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so interesting. I was like again like intrigued by this character like who is this guy like what is the deal with this man like or this creature so yeah. i don't know what, what did you think about that well i thought you know he he struck me as someone who was like um like has finally had enough like like lost hope that the jedi mm. would return and you know was this you know it, like like we've seen many other characters you know throughout star wars is like you know, instead of fighting the good fight and, uh, you know, being patient enough, I guess, mm-hmm. to, to, to see it through, you know, sometimes the easier thing. And, and that's like that with, you know, with us in our lives, um, sometimes it's easier to take, uh, you know, the, the, the more tempting, uh, the more tempting road, you know, and, and a lot of times that involves, you know, immorality uh mm-hmm. or making the wrong decision uh so i think in that case uh, he was probably just tempted by these uh acolytes um and again we don't know how or when or how mm-hmm. wh- 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 where his journey how his journey brought him here but uh we do know just from the very that those few you know pieces of dialogue that uh you know this guy went through some stuff and mm-hmm. and he has some sort of history with Juro because Juro knows who he is by yeah. name. Um, I want a comic about it or something. Like yeah. I want to read this. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, and and yeah, he's such a unique uh, character. And again, yeah, we see his lightsaber is like purple, right? So mm-hmm. it's like almost red, but not quite. It's like yeah. red and blue, you know. Uh, so that was again a cool a cool way to like to present that he's not, you know fully on the dark side but you know he's not completely on the uh on the on the light so yeah i i thought it was very uh very he was a very cool character and and yeah i hope we see we see more of him as well absolutely so finally the margrave uh addresses kara and he tells her you have been guided by the force ever since you were born come and follow me and I'm sitting on my couch thinking, wow, what a Jesus moment right there. Like, come and follow me. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, these are the things that I see. Like, I just, hopefully it's a good thing. Like, I see Jesus a lot, a lot in, um, in just stuff. So, That's always yeah. Good. So, uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you've been guided by the four. I mean, I mean, I, I feel like I should put that on a plaque or something, this quote. You have been guided by the force ever since you were born. Come and follow me. It's like Jesus, you know, yeah. in a in a Jedi robe or something. Oh, uh, <laughs> so then Ethan, you know, we haven't really talked about Ethan very much, but he's this other character who, you know, although not as compelling as Kara, I would say, um, he was still sympathetic because he he's apologetic to Juro. You know, he says, oh, I'm not I'm inexperienced and I 
you know, I didn't, I didn't do my best. And, but Juro ends up building him up and telling him it's okay. You survived the fight, you know, Mm -hmm. um, again, another great move by a leader, right? You can just tell what Juro's character is by how he is building up Ethan. So did you have any thoughts on, on Ethan or would you, would you want to see more from him as a character or get to know anything more about him? Or did you feel he was just kind of like a foil for the other characters? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought he wasn't that interesting because, again, we just didn't spend that much time with him. But he did serve mm-hmm. a purpose like mm-hmm. he was the one, the only one that lit up that first lightsaber and, and obviously right. lit up blue. So mm-hmm. it was before the twist. Um, so he served at least you know, in, in that moment as a plot device, you know, to, to sort of keep us at bay before the twist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, I think obviously the more of the major characters in this is, uh, are the ones that we care about more and we're invested in. Um, uh, Ethan is this, uh, you know, like a cute side character. Um, like I could see him, you know, if, if, if they do explore his world some more, I could see him, you know, just, tagging along for, you know, for their adventures and, and just being someone that they could trust. And, you know, along with Kara, he'll build his, you know, his skill set. And mm-hmm. um, you can tell he's a good natured kid and, and uh, um, probably someone that, uh, you know, they would be, be able to rely on. So, um, right. yeah, again, not the most compelling character, but if you give me any more of this world, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. Well, I sure hope we get something more from this crew because. You know, we're at the end. A ship appears in the blink of an eye and they fly away, presumably to track down and save Kara's father. And then we get this final great lightsaber homage where the camera turns upside down. And we see that the entire aerial temple itself is a friggin' lightsaber. (laughs) 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 So creative. I love it. No, that was Um, great. Yeah. Yeah, so so just some other quick notes about uh, the music, because I was so intrigued by the music um, and how big it was. I found out that uh, it was created by, well, in the credits it told us, Nobuko, Nobuko Toda and Kazuma Chinuchi. And both of those uh, folks are Berkeley College of Music graduates. Um, And they're also mainly video game composers, at least, you know, this point in their careers and have mostly worked on the Halo, most famously worked on the Halo series of games. And so nice. The Halo Halo music is amazing. Even if you're not like you never played the games, the the Halo music is legendary. Yes, absolutely. So they are definitely I'm sure we'll hear more from uh, them as far as, you know, just soundtrack music and and scores in general uh so looking forward to that and then a couple notes on voice actors as well so la cara was played by kimiko glenn and she uh was Mm -hmm. recently in into the spider verse she played penny parker so pretty cool um la jima the father was played by shimu liu shang chi himself yeah 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 Awesome. That was really cool. I didn't know that until yeah, when I, I, I looked it up when I was researching for this episode. I'm like, oh, wow, that's awesome. And I, yeah. I, I watched it both with the 
I watched it in Japanese and I watched it with the American mm-hmm. dub. Um, so yeah, the, you can tell with this voice cast, it's, it's actually a dub that's not bad and it's actually really good and worth listening to. So, cause in most, for most anime, I, I usually tend to not listen to the dubs cause a lot of times the voice acting is just not up to par. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, for these, I think for all the Star Wars Visions episodes, the, the, the dubs are really well done. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They've brought on a lot of people who have been doing Star Wars projects just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the last person that I wanted to mention, um, Juro, the voice of Juro was Andrew Cascino mm-hmm. and he's done a lot of Star Wars. Um, he's been in the past episodes of Visions. But um, most Star Wars Clone Wars fans would be familiar with him um, for playing Saw Gerrera in mm-hmm. the Clone Wars. So um, another great talent there as well. So uh, any final thoughts? Um, I'll just reiterate. I hope uh, I hope we get to see more of this world um, and uh, whether it's an anime series or Live, I actually hope it'd be live action because I think I think mm. it's perfect for live action. Um, uh, I don't know if the the ratings are. I don't know how Disney would you know quantify you know the ratings of Star Wars Visions um, and how they would apply it, but I'll take it anyway. But I think if if they were willing to to go live action, I think it would work perfectly, um, and uh, it would be neat to see. Um, you know what, and, and to bring on the same create, you know, the same writers and creators. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, even if like, I don't know if they wanted to do a, a a foreign language Star Wars film, like you know that's made by Japanese creators uh, in Japanese. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe do like a, you know, a a low budget sort of like, you know, uh, gritty. Uh, Star Wars sort of you know show or, or film I think it'd be really cool uh, again they could take any number of ways but I, I really hope that um, uh, we get to see more and uh, uh, and whether uh, at the very least I think they should do like a second you know Star Wars Visions you know like another anthology uh, mm-hmm. season of anthology uh, episodes um, uh then I hope they bring these creators back at some capacity. So, cause I think they, they really get what star Wars is. Um, and they're willing to, uh, explore the world in, in unique ways. Yeah. Oh, I'll take this, this particular episode. I'll take it in any type of media, um, comic, you know, uh, book. Um, I mean, I, I just, I really intrigued by this story and these characters. I, I really connected. Um, in a way that I, I didn't necessarily connect with some of the other characters in the previous episodes. So that in itself is a testimony to it. Um, so what about you guys out there? Please email us your thoughts about the ninth Jedi or anything Star Wars at all. Uh, you can email us at starwars at sqpn.com or find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia. And uh, just leave a comment there, or if you want to tweet us, we're there too. You can tweet us at SQPN, and be sure to share the podcast on social media as well. And while you're in a sharing mood, uh, please tell your friends that they can subscribe 
to Secrets of Star Wars in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitchers, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or the SQPN YouTube channel. And uh, you can go to sqpn.com slash Star Wars to find our previous episodes. Um, and one more thing, if you're feeling extra generous, please, if you haven't already, review the podcast. That uh, lets us know how we're doing and also helps Secrets of Star Wars get seen by more people who would be interested in listening. Next week, we will be back and we will be taking a deeper look into the sixth episode of the anime series Star Wars Visions. We're looking at T.O.B. 1. Until next time, Andrew Hermes, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Star Wars. Mudhorn out. (laughs) And once again, I'm Angela Cialana. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest 